You're listening to Crosspoint Community Church in LaGrange, Texas podcast. To learn more about Crosspoint Community Church, including service times and how you can connect, please visit crosspointchurchtx.org. Amen. If you have your copy of Scripture, go ahead and open that to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I'll give you a moment to get there. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. If you hit 2 Corinthians, you've gone too far. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I'm going to look at one single verse today. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. It says, No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also, so that you will be able to endure it. This is God's word for us this morning. Let me pray for us. Father God, you are faithful. God, your word is true. You are faithful. You are good. You are kind. You are generous. We rejoice in who you are this morning, God. And we thank you for the opportunity to open your word and to see your truth. And so, Father, I pray that as the preaching of your word happens, Lord, that your people would be fed and that you would be glorified. And we ask all this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Well, it's good to be with you today. My name is Josh. Uh, I'm from San Antonio, Texas, and I've been had the privilege this weekend of opening God's word with the students as we've gone through this Disciple Now weekend. And the theme this weekend has been fearless. And uh, we've talked about different ways that applies out of Second Corinthians, Second uh, Timothy, chapter one. And today I wanted to kind of cap the weekend talking about being fearless in this sense, being fearless when you face temptation. Because let's be honest, that's something every single one of us is going to face every single day of our lives, this side of eternity. We're all going to face temptation. And so I want to look at that theme in in this uh, way today. I want to begin today. Um, when I was in elementary school, every so often, if my grades were good, uh, hold your jokes there. Um, every so often, if my grades were good, my dad would get me out of school early on a Friday afternoon and we would just go have a fun day. We'd go to the mall. And I thought that was a big deal when I was a kid. And uh, we ate at the food court. I was like, wow, a whole court of food. We are like kings here. And we'd go to different stores. And my favorite part of the day would be to go. Uh, and this is a very 80s and 90s thing because I don't see him around very much these days. But we'd go to the arcade. And that was like this magical place back in the 90s. And it was just a room full of video games, and I thought that was so cool. And we'd go in there, and we'd play games. And uh, I remember the time when I was about fifth grade, this new game came to the arcade. It was Street Fighter 2. Does anybody remember Street Fighter 2? Okay, amen. Thank you, brother. All right, yes, uh, thank you. The Lord is in this place today. Uh, Street Fighter 2 was a game changer, literally, when it came to... Uh, the arcade. It introduced the competitive scene. Back in the 70s and 80s, you'd have like Pac-Man, where it's one person playing by themselves trying to set a high score. Street Fighter 2 introduced this concept of playing against the person standing next to you. And it was a, it was a blast. Uh, I remember all the different characters, the roster. There was Ken and Ryu, Hayouken, all that stuff. Um, I got this game with my kids. My wife and I have three kids, and they know, don't let dad choose E-Honda, okay? I'm a problem. I am a problem with E-Honda. I will mess my kids up. Um, and my favorite guy was this character named Guile, and his special moves. He would 
move his arms together and he would say, Sonic Boom! And it would send a sonic blast of some kind at his opponent. And I love to do that. And uh, I just remember playing it. And when it really came to the arcade, I mean, the people were stacked up all around this machine. Guys would have their quarters in line as like a, a, a line to play next. In the first three years of its release, it was estimated that over 25 million people had played Street Fighter II. It has gone on to become the best-selling fighting game of all time. It sold over 15 million units. Street Fighter II has grossed an estimated $10 billion since it was released back in the early 90s. And I remember it. Um, and uh, when it finally came out on the Super Nintendo, man, in our neighborhood, it was like the big question among all the guys was, how good are you at Street Fighter II? Well, today we're looking at one single verse here in 1 Corinthians 10 about how to deal with temptation and with sin. And I felt like Street Fighter 2 was an appropriate metaphor because honestly, dealing with temptation can feel close to a street fight, right? The stakes are high. There's a winner, there's a loser. And it can be painful. It can be, uh, it can leave you feeling beat up and torn down and defeated. But we have good news today in scripture. We have good news in Scripture today, and that's what we're going to get to. We can win this. You can win your showdown with sin. And so we're going to be looking at this verse through this theme of, of fighting today. And so we'll have several different video games and, and fighting metaphors as we go along. I've titled today's message, Rejecting Temptation, God's Way. Or, to put it in the 90s way, Giving Sin the Sonic Boom. Sonic Boom. Um, And throughout all of 1 Corinthians 10, Paul has been giving a clear warning to Christians about sin and temptation and the dangers, really, of overconfidence. And so today, we're going to look at one verse, verse 13, and we're going to see three things that we can learn about how to reject temptation, how to give sin the sonic boom. Those three things. We can recognize Satan's game plan. We can rest in God's faithfulness. And we can receive God's provision. And that'll be our focus points today. I'll also give you a content recommendation. It's a song called Love Lifted Me. Uh, it's an old hymn, and uh, I would commend to you the version by the a group called The Sing Team uh, on their album called Sing On. I think it's a, it's a great song, and it echoes a lot of what we're talking about today. If you've never heard The Sing Team, I would tell you they sound like if the Muppets and Marvin Gaye made a band. Uh, they've got a unique sound, so I'd commend that to you uh, to, to listen to. So the sing team, love lifted me. All right, let's get right to work. So if you're going to reject temptation God's way, the first thing you do is you recognize Satan's game plan. Go back with me just the first part of verse 13. It says, no temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. I want us to be able to recognize Satan's game plan today. While we're on the subject of fighting games, if you'll allow me just one more, I want to talk about what I think is the greatest fighting game of all time. It's a game called Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. Did anybody ever play this one? Okay, yes. All right, let's go. Um, in Mike Tyson's Punch-Out, you play as that little character, the little guy with the black uh, shirt and the white shorts. Uh, you play as Little Mac. And you've got to go through a series of opponents trying to earn your way to a title shot against Mike Tyson. And the opponents in... Tyson's Punch-Out are just as memorable. Great Tiger, Piston Honda, Bald Bull. But the key is, if you're going to be good at that game, the key is you have to know their patterns. 
In other words, every opponent is going to attack you in a certain pattern, a certain rhythm. And there's been many other games that kind of use this formula. But if you're going to be good at Mike Tyson's Punch-Out, you have to know the pattern of how that enemy is going to attack. And here's what's really interesting to me. That game came out in like 1986. People are just now, like as in two years ago, just now discovering secrets that have been hidden in plain sight. For example, you see that pink arrow right there pointing to the bearded man in the first row of the crowd. Just a couple years ago, people discovered that he is a secret in the game. When he ducks his head and looks down, that's the exact moment you're supposed to throw a punch. And it's an automatic win. You will win the fight. That's been there since 1986 or whatever, and nobody's discovered it till right now. It's amazing, right? It's a secret hiding in plain sight. But it's, it's how, if you know how your opponent attacks, you can be prepared. But guess what, man? It's, it's possible. It's very possible to know, to recognize Satan's game plan because he's been using the same stuff since Genesis chapter 3. We could say it this way. Satan's game plan is to hit you when you are hit. In other words, he will strike most often when you are hungry, isolated, tired, or triumphant. Hungry, isolated, tired, triumphant. I won't go through, I'll go uh, hit each one of these. Won't go into detail, but you can read these passages later on in your own personal study. Hungry. Think about Jesus in the wilderness in Matthew 4 as he's fasting and praying. What's the very first temptation the enemy comes with? Hey, make this into bread. Right? Hungry. One of my friends once tweeted, he said, the later the night gets, the better water burger tastes. Why? I mean, amen? Like, when you're hungry, right? I worked in HEB for a long time, and like, you could tell the difference between people who are coming in shopping versus people who are coming in shopping hungry. Like, those, those baskets look different, okay? Isolated. Think about David in 2 Samuel 11. He sends all his men and his army off to war. He stays back home, isolated. And that's when he gets into a great danger and temptation. Man, are we living isolated lives? Do you have brothers and sisters in Christ who can ask you real questions? Isolated. Tired. Think about Esau coming home and he's dead tired. Genesis 25, and that's where temptation pops up there. Man, ask any pastor about Monday mornings got a lot of friends in the ministry. Let me just tell you, Monday mornings are, are, can be tough on pastors. That's when despair and, and worry and anxiety comes in. And I think this is significant too, triumph. Think about Elijah after a huge win versus the prophets of Baal in 1 Kings 19. Right after that, man, he is tempted to just totally give up. Right after some of his greatest triumph. This is how the enemy works. And here's what's cool. We don't have a bearded man on the front row of a video game, a hidden secret. No, we've got scripture. And it is sufficient to tell us, to give us knowledge of how and when our enemy will strike so we can use that to be prepared. Let's look in more detail. What else can we see about his game plan? We could say, number one, his plan is defined. His plan is defined, right? He says it's common to man. In other words, what you're facing is not unique, it's not singular, it's not something no one else has faced. It's common to man. It's defined. It's it's in a category that we all know. One pastor says temptations are never unique experiences to us. We can never have a temptation that has not been experienced by millions of other people. This gives us hope, right, that we're not alone in our fight. 
This is common to man. His plan is defined. Secondly, his plan is dividing. So what he wants to do is continue, the enemy wants to tell you that, man, you're the only person who sins this way. You're the only one who falls this way. And so because of that, he wants to divide you from fellowship with God and with other believers. He wants to divide. Third, his plan is darkening. I would tell you, sin always leads away from the light of God's grace. Romans 1.21 says, For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking, look at this, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Sin always leads away from the light of God's grace. His plan is defined, it's dividing, it's darkening. And four, His plan is destroying. James 1.15 says, After desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. 100% of the time. Sin and temptation is not your friend. It's leading to destruction. Say, Josh, can I get a different metaphor besides fighting games? Okay, let's go fishing. Think of it this way. Satan always shows you the bait, but he never shows you the hook. And there is always a hook. 100% of the time. Or as one of my favorites, Adrian Rogers He said it like this, the devil offers big wages, but he pays off in counterfeit bills. Would you like that on payday? You show up and your company gives you an envelope and it's full of monopoly money. No, that's not going to cut it, right? Big wages don't mean anything if it's a counterfeit bill. It's destruction. That's what it's going towards. So the point here in the first part of this verse is to give us knowledge, right? We could think of it this way. You have an enemy. He will tempt you. You can know his plan and you can be prepared. Some questions to consider here. How can I improve my defenses for the next time? I'm hungry, isolated, tired, or triumphant. How can I use wisdom to not be hit when I am hit? Secondly, how can I develop godly community and friendships that help me grow stronger and wiser against sin? Who can I encourage and lift up as they face their battles? So the first thing is we recognize Satan's game plan. Second, you rest in God's faithfulness. Once more, back to verse 13. says, no temptation has overtaken you, but such is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. Man, that's really good news, isn't it? God is faithful. I may not be. I may blow it. I may mess it up. And I will. But God is faithful. God is faithful. This isn't just something he might know. This is part of his character, his nature, his attributes. God is faithful. He doesn't change. So here's what's cool. Think of it this way. Satan's game plan hasn't changed. So his ways and tricks can be known and prepared for. But with that, God's faithfulness hasn't changed. So he can be counted on and trusted when you need it most. He's faithful. One pastor says it this way. Whatever the testing, struggle, or trial, we Christians know God is faithful to his promises and character to see us through the trial. We may not always be faithful in the way we handle the testing, but God is always faithful. What does it mean that he's faithful? How is it defined biblically? This word in the original language means steadfast. It means firmness, fidelity, allegiance. It's the opposite of ever-changing or wishy-washy. 
Man, as a Christian, you have a heavenly father who is faithful, who will not leave you, who will not forsake you. He will help you grow and mature in your walk. You can rest in his faithfulness. Furthermore, did you know this is one of the names he's going to be known for for all eternity? Revelation 19.11 says, I saw heaven standing open there, and before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. See, his faithfulness is one of his most defining attributes, and I'm so thankful for that. Let's talk about real fights for just a moment. I'm a fan of mixed martial arts or UFC, that kind of stuff. I love watching mixed martial artists do their thing. And uh, one of the terms you'll hear in mixed martial arts or boxing is this term, significant strikes. And I've always liked that term, but what does it mean? Does it mean any jab I throw, any hook, any kick? What counts as a significant strike? Here's how it's defined. Any strike that significantly improves your chance of winning the fight. Strikes that land solidly with power and authority, not incidental contact, uh, not incidental or slight contact. In other words, significant strikes are what offense looks like in a mixed martial arts contest. So as we're talking about temptation and sin and God's faithfulness, what I want to give you today is what I would think of some as spiritually significant strikes. Because God's faithful, man, you can strike back. Three things you can, three things God's faithfulness means for you. Three significant, spiritually significant strikes. Number one, I am not forgotten. He's watching. He cares. He knows this. Hebrews 4.15 says, We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things, as we are, yet without sin. The faithfulness of God shows up in the person and work of Jesus Christ. We have a Savior who came down here, who faced what we faced, who's been tempted like we've been tempted, yet without sin. There's no better resource than Jesus Christ when you're facing temptation. You're not forgotten. Number two, you're not flooded. In other words, he won't let it exceed you. He filters the temptations that get to you, right? He says, Paul says, he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. You're not flooded. Number three, you're not forsaken. In other words, it's not hopeless. You can win. I love how this pastor says that. He says, God has not brought us into a position where it's impossible to sin, but to a position where it is possible not to sin. And that's what we need to know. It is possible to face whatever you're facing. And and it's possible to walk away from that and to walk in holy obedience. See, when you arm yourself with the knowledge of God's faithfulness, man, it gives you some spiritually significant strikes in your fight against temptation. Some questions to consider here. Have I spent considerable time reading about, thinking about, and enjoying the faithfulness of God? How can I increase this in my life? Secondly, I'm not forgotten, flooded, or forsaken. His faithfulness arms me with spiritually significant strikes. How can I fight temptation better in light of these truths? So first, you recognize Satan's game plan. You rest in God's faithfulness. And finally, you receive God's provision. Once more, verse 13, let's look at it all, the whole thing now. 
No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also, so that you will be able to endure it. One commentator says it this way, the implied meaning is that with every test we pass through, God gives us the ability to emerge victorious. Thus, we progress in our Christian walk. God provides the way out, right? It says that. It says, He will provide the way of escape also. It's not a way. It's not one of many. God's way is not just an option. No, God gives the way out of temptation. The way of escape. We could say it this way. Instead of receiving sin's pain, you can receive God's provision. Follow Him into the joy of holy obedience. I want to return back to Tyson's punch out for just a moment because in that game you have a trainer as you make your way through the game. Your trainer is called Doc. He's the worst trainer of all time. Uh, number one, all he does for training you is make you run a lot in a pink sweatsuit through New York. Like, that's literally the full extent of the training is you just jog behind him as he's on a bike. Like, you never hit the speed bag. You never hit the heavy bag. Like, it's just, okay, we're just going to run a lot. Secondly, what he tells you in between rounds, not helpful. Like, as you come back, you're fighting this, uh, and you're fighting this opponent, and you come back in between rounds, and he tells you some things. I'll, I'll show you what he says. Okay, here's some of his wisdom. He says, listen, Mac. Dodge his punch, then counterpunch. Oh, thank you, detective. Is this how boxing works? I would have never thought of that. He says, listen, Mac, catch him off guard and stun him. Okay, great. Listen, uh, don't give up, Mac, fight. This, this is my favorite. He says, don't give up, Mac, he has a weakness, dot, 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 dot. And what is it? Yo, I'm fighting Mike Tyson. What is his weakness? Tell me, Doc. Tell me. And then he actually says this. Join the Nintendo fan club today. I'm fighting for my life. He doesn't. Doc doesn't provide much help for you. Guess what? God does. His provision makes all the difference. So what does he provide for us in his path? Three things. He provides the way that you can steer clear of sin. In fact, the very next verse, if you're there in 1 Corinthians 13, uh, 10, verse 14 says, Therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. In other words, get out of there. In other words, you don't have to go back to where you fell before. You, you, you can get out of there. You can follow God. You can steer clear. You can put high fences between you and those old ways. You can steer clear. And man, you know the places, the things that you need to steer clear of. With God, He provides the way you can steer clear. Number two, you can start again. Proverbs, uh, there's several verses here I want to highlight. Proverbs 24, 16 says, For the righteous man falls seven times and rises again. Man, if you're here today and you've been falling and you've been blowing it, and, and man, you feel like you're defeated, no, Scripture is telling you, get back up to your feet. With God, you can start again. So stand back up. 
Micah 7, 8, one of my favorite chapters in all the scripture. It says, rejoice not over me, O my enemy. When I fall, I shall rise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light for me. Get back up. Psalm 51.10, one of my favorite Hebrew words in all of Scripture. says David says, God, create, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. That word create that David uses in the Hebrew, it's the word bara. And it means create out of nothing. Man can only create where there's pre-existing materials. God creates where there's nothing there. You know, the other place we see that word bara is Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God bara, God created out of nothing the heavens and the earth. So, man, I tell you, if you're here today and you feel like you've blown it and you've messed up, you feel like there's nothing there, good news. That's where God can do good work. He can create in you a clean heart. So get back up. Three, you can seek Jesus. Think of it this way. If sin is knocking at your door, send Jesus to answer it. I got a lot of, I got, I have a, we have three kids, two boys and a girl. Our daughter, I've trained her. You don't answer the front door. You let daddy do that. Cause you never know who's there. So you let dad answer the front door. Man, if sin's knocking on your door this week, you don't have to answer it. Send Jesus to answer it. Because ultimately God's path out of sin, out of temptation, ultimately it's Jesus Christ. You, you don't beat sin with your willpower. You beat it with worship. You worship your way out of temptation. What does it sound like? I think something like Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. Look at this. Who loved me and gave himself for me. Worship your way out of temptation by looking to the one who loved you and gave himself for you. The gospel is the truth that perfect, sinless Jesus Christ laid down his life to pay for my sins. And then he rose again in victory so that I might live with him forever. Worship your way out of temptation. We could say it this way. The path away from sin is always the path toward the Savior. Pursue the one who loved you and gave himself for you. I gave you that content recommendation earlier for the sing team on that song, Love Lifted Me. I'll just share some of the lyrics with you here. You may be familiar with these. It says, I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore. Anybody ever been there? I have. Very deeply, stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry, and from the waters lifted me. Now safe am I. Love lifted me. Love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. That's the story for every single Christian. Nobody's perfect. Nobody bats a hundred, a thousand. Nobody gets it right all the time, man. We've all blown it. We've messed up. We've been sinking deep in sin. But our only hope is that Jesus Christ, the master of the sea, hears our cry and he pulls us out with his love. 
Someone loved you enough to lay down their life for you. In Christ, God has provided the way out. Some questions to consider here. God graciously provides the pathway to escape temptation. Am I steering clear of sin? Do I need to start again? Will I seek Jesus now? Secondly, what does it mean to me personally that Jesus loved me and gave himself for me? Have I been saved or lifted by his love? We've seen today three things on how to reject temptation God's way. Right? You recognize Satan's game plan. You rest in God's faithfulness. And you receive God's provision. That's how you give sin the sonic boom. One of my nephews uh, is, a, is a kid named Trace. Good kid. And when he was about this age, he's now a big old teenage boy, but when he was about three years old, we were at my family, my wife's family's house, all watching TV. Maybe a Cowboys game or something. And uh, Trace had been drinking some chocolate milk in a little sippy cup. And he was out, and so he asked for a refill. And so one of my sister-in-laws uh, went into the kitchen and went to make him a refill. She was still watching the TV, and she wasn't paying attention. She didn't realize that the milk she poured in had expired. And uh, I don't mean like a little bit, but like not good expired. Like it had gone bad, uh, severely bad. And so she makes him the chocolate milk, puts the cap back on it, hands it back to Trace, sits back down. We're all watching the thing. Trace takes a little sip and he's like, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like laughing. I'm like, haha, kids, they're funny. Um, and, uh, and he's got that little three year old accent where they don't pronounce everything exactly right. And so I was like, Trace, dude, just, just drink your milk, man. It, it, it's fine. And so he's like, okay. And so he takes another drink and he's like, blah, 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 blah. And then I always remember it. He stands up and he takes his sippy cup and he slams it down with all the authority a little three-year-old body can have. And he just announces, he says, this is not tasty. (laughs) It looked like the real thing. It felt like the real thing. It seemed like the real thing. It wasn't. It was a deceiving imposter. It wasn't tasty. That's what sin is. It's a deception that's not tasty. It may look right. Satan may try to dress it up to make it seem right. He'll disguise it, but it will be bitter to swallow. The hope we have, the truth that we have, is that freedom in Christ is delicious. Freedom in Christ is satisfying to the soul. Freedom in Christ never expires. It never goes bad. What Christ offers us as we walk in obedience with him is far better than anything this world could offer you. So I tell you, reject the temptation and walk with Christ. Let me pray for you. Father God, I thank you so much for the truth of your word. God, all the wisdom we need is there. Help us to be people who are Not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word as well. That we would take in, that we would listen, that we would heed your wisdom, and that we would apply it to our life. And God, I pray specifically for my brothers and sisters here who may feel discouraged in their battles with temptation. Whatever it may be, God, I pray you would, Holy Spirit, you would comfort their hearts today. You would let them know they can stand back up in the power of your grace.
Not because of anything they've done, but because you're a gracious God. They can stand back up and they can walk in freedom today. Lord, we love you. Help us to worship you no matter what. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the Cross Point Community Church Podcast. It is our prayer that this message was encouraging to you as you follow Jesus. For more about Cross Point Community Church, you can find us online at crosspointchurchtx.org. Have a great week.